Hello and welcome to No Easy Games, an alternative guide to world football. The season is about three weeks old if you're a fan of Premier League teams and if you're a fan of Barry, it hasn't even got started at all. And we're here to dissect all the major events that are happening in football with our usual level of complete and utter ignorance. I'm Tom O'Brien. And I'm Aaron Gales. There we go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to work on that. Yeah, I can, I can wing a lot of bollocks. Yeah. But <clears throat> I can't. You're a no. professional though, Tom. I mean, I'm oh, amateur at this stage because I mean, I'm not, I'm not earning much from this podcast. <laughs> um, I think we earned 0.01p when I put the adverts on it for a while, but we only ever got the Santander one. Mm. Um, well, should we kick off? I know we, we did touch upon it in the last episode, the plight of Bolton and Berry. Yeah, um, it's um, it's murky, isn't it? It's it's um, it's really unfortunate to bring any of you who don't know up to speed. And God, if you're using this as news, you are in. You are in trouble. Um, yeah, Bolton this week uh, met a deadline in order for the club to have its service of uh, notice of expulsion of membership withdrawn. Uh, they've had a takeover now from the uh, slightly sinister sounding football ventures, brackets, whites, close back. Every holding company that buys a football company is named in the same style as the teams on Pro Evolution Soccer. <laughs> Um, it could not be more generic. Um, I would not be surprised if Castolo was the uh, 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 or Menanda were the uh, were the main shareholders in Football Ventures Whites. Um, but Bolton have been saved. Uh, they've had uh, on the field a miserable but credible start to the season. And no fans have been particularly proud of the very young players who've been involved uh, in those games. But they've um, I think it's played five, lost five. Mm. Um, I think they've got a draw actually. Tell, tell they've got a goalless draw with Coventry. I think. Um, to take them to uh, minus 11 points Um, but the future does uh, certainly for this season look uh, a little uh, brighter for Bolton if not that it will almost certainly end in uh, in relegation to League 2 just a few miles um, east of Bolton though um, is uh, the former Football League side Barry yeah uh, founder members of the Football League who have been expelled um, uh, this week Um, and it's I mean, without getting into any sort of legal ramifications, it does sound as if the people who've owned uh, Berry uh, currently and previously have been complete and utter cunts. Mm. Um, particularly that bearded chap at the moment who, um, and I can't confirm nor deny this for legal reasons, but uh, has been suggesting that for his £1 stake and some of the input that he's been putting into the debts has been demanding payoffs from between half a million to two million for his shares. Um, which has been a barrier to some of those deals going through. Um, Mismanaged by the previous owner. Um, Loans, mortgages taken out with 138% interest uh, on the the stadium. And it's left a small town in uh, in Greater Manchester without a football league club and and wondering what what their future's gonna be. I've been, I must admit, I've been very conflicted with all of it really. Obviously feel very sorry for fans of Burnley Berry, Bolton. I do feel sorry for fans of Burnley sometimes as well. Yeah. Berry and Bolton. Well, it's difficult with the six fingers, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) What I would say is they're not the first club that's had to reform. Mm. So while I have a great deal of sympathy for them, you know, it's been shown that you can rise from the ashes and something good can come come from it. Now, while they're in this situation, it's not ideal. Another sort of conflict, there's a lot of discussion around should Premier League clubs be doing more for these clubs. Part of me thinks, well, Premier League clubs, that's the market. You know, would a rich business help, would, would Tesco help out the man who has a corner shop? Probably not. The other side of it is, what I really like about English football is, so last August, for example, 
I was looking for a game, opening day this season, wanted to go to a local game, went and watched Stockport County, who were in about the sixth tier of English football at the time. There was about 4,000 fans there. Now you wouldn't get that in any other country in Europe at that level. Basically, you get past the top two divisions, nobody bothers going. So I think there's a risk that if the gap keeps widening and widening, the Premier League clubs will eventually suffer in some format. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I don't, I'm not necessarily sure it can be allowed to continue. continue. The only other thing that nobody is talking about at all, and I don't know the answer, I should, have, I should know the answer to this, but Berry, obviously, regardless of who's mismanaged the club, were promoted last year to League One at the expense of another team that hasn't been promoted. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be being talked about at all. And there's probably a well-run club in League Two that hasn't done it because Berry have been allowed to grow up. And I think the EFL have got an awful lot to answer for for the carnage that's been created in League One. Yeah, and it's 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 also when you look at you know they've got a fit and proper person's test, but they said oh well there was some technicality why we didn't have to check whether this bloke with a beard who's run fifteen companies have got yeah. into administration should be taken over football clubs or not. Yeah. So they are they are culpable. There's been a lot of talk on social media today about foreign investors who've shown proof of seven million pounds to the EFL mm. that they wanted to rescue Barry and that that has been um, rejected by the EFL. The EFL will not rescind their decision. I imagine it's going to get quite murky and might go to the court of arbitration. Um, but that's obviously costs money and time. And you know what happens if they make a decision in December? Well, we'll reinstate you. Well, then you've got you know do they have to play an entire season in six months? Because yeah. these things aren't quick. Or yeah. do they just say well we'll accept relegation back to League Two for next season and yeah. start again? It's 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 messy and it the possibly thing. could have been dealt with sooner for it to have rumbled on until the season's begun. Mm. But equally, I mean, th- this bloke in, in charge of Barry, everything in every interview I've heard, he's very antagonistic. He's yeah. very oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. aggressive. He's blamed the fact, like for him to have said on the deadline, "Oh, the fans care; they should have a whip round," yeah. um, and, uh, and and all that stuff. And the fans were so overjoyed when they thought this takeover was going to go through. Three hundred of them turned up at Gig Lane to clean the stadium in the hope mm. that they were going to have a game on this Saturday. Um, but he's basically. The AFL just keeps saying we've asked him for ABC. He's only given us A. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. You no, know, he's he's he's. I think I think the reason people are frustrated is that the fit and proper persons test seem to be applying it too late. Should have applied it about three or four owners ago, and then they might not be in this situation. We, we look at the bloke who's trying to buy Bolton, Bassini, yeah. who everyone's who, who I think was he previously at Watford, and everyone there was like, Jesus, you mm. might prefer to go bust. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's. Um, there's a lot that's gone wrong, and what the point you made about like in other countries where you don't get you don't get that level of football. Like for example, I've been I've watched non-league football in France. That uh, another mention for Dijon, yeah. um, where you know where the standard was woeful, yeah. um, and you got maybe a thousand, twelve hundred people who went to the game. But the third tier there is non-professional in France. In Germany, you've got the uh, the third tier in the Bundesliga, which I don't know if it's entirely pro or some semi-pro. I genuinely don't know. Then beyond that, you get into the regional divisions. And while the pyramid in English football is something to be particularly proud of, and the 92 league clubs, now 91, is something that's that's great, is it sustainable if the Premier League don't um, share the wealth? And I think yeah. they're, they're not obliged. Like Man United aren't obliged to no. give 100 million to Barry or anything no. like that, but. You could say, like, the parachute payments and the solidarity payments that go to those divisions, are they rising in line with the amount of money that's coming in from all these foreign markets? You talk about billion-pound TV deals that come through. 
are really are those clubs if, if you took 100 million out of that to give to the football league are those clubs going to miss no. that money in no. you know is I that the right thing to do? But yeah. I just I don't see how you can have 92 professional football clubs in this country. I don't see that as being sustainable. And it's probably going to go if, if this keeps happening. Because let's not forget clubs like Notts County uh, are now relegated. They've been in financial trouble. Macclesfield have had huge challenges. Che- uh, Coventry, as you mentioned earlier. Um, it's, got, it's, it's probably, you, you could foresee a future where Leagues 1 and 2 both become re- regional. Mm a regional league one a northern yeah, yeah. league one and a southern league one and it's not sustainable for all these teams to be pro like all these teams that are coming up from the conference are they are they all turning pro overnight yeah, you know it's yeah. it's it's forcing clubs to spend beyond their means it is it is but equally equally there's also a lot of well-run football clubs within the football league that don't spend beyond their means and survive you know there's huge financial mismanagement going on at a lot of these clubs and it's not just because they're trying to keep a, you know, they just spend spend more than you earn. It's simple. If you're a business, you go bust. And but, but then there's, there's a, equally there's a huge amount who are doing everything right and are still struggling well, to keep their heads above water. True. And I do think I do think I think the Premier League has to take a long hard look at itself because, I, you know, you're looking at sort of how much it costs to run a football club, and Barry, I think you could run a football club in League Two. For a season, say, for about three and a half million pounds by time you factor in wages for the costs. Now that's an, that that is probably an average Premier League player's wage. Three and a half million quid, an average player. And you get to the top players who are earning ridiculous money. You know, if you can run a football club on a wage of one player in the Premier League, then then something's not right and something needs something needs to be done, I think. Well, there's, there's the argument, and I don't know the finances of it, but when in the pre-Premier League era, and obviously the money was different, but everyone then being part of the Football League, mm. so everybody really probably together. gets a piece of that pie. Yeah. And so the big clubs got greedy, mm. got richer, and left everybody behind. And, you know, you look at them trying to do it. You know, the, the big clubs are trying to do this again with European football because they're yeah. trying to make that a closed shop. So clubs like Man City, Man United, uh, not Man, well, Man City are an exception to that. But if you look at the traditional um, big four, so Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, um, that's only three. But we'll just stick with those three. Um, if those three, you know, were part of the. Um, the teams that were part of the big six when the Premier League broke away. Um, they're you know always regularly competing for Europe. They're already as rich as they need to be, mm. and they're part of a system that's trying to stop other teams. So like Everton or Wolves or mm. Leicester or West Ham or someone like that from having a good season and getting into that Champions League mm. party. They they want a close shot. They'd love a European Super League so they could charge fortunes for everything mm. and then play each other in, a, in the odd league game Sky would love it as well they don't want to have to show Brighton versus Bournemouth mm. um, it's an inconvenience for them and mm. so the greed of those big clubs originally has maybe left the football league behind and we've seen the effects of it 20 years later mm. but that's only going to continue now with Premier League teams because mm. the rich are still getting richer yeah yeah well and you see the gap you start to see that in the Premier League itself aren't you with, with the huge gap between the established top six that certainly last season and the rest of the division. Well, yeah, let me segue into this season. At the moment, it's a top two and the yeah, rest is garbage. It's, it's looking like that. Yeah, it's you know, like that. Ars- it's more open this Arsenal season. had a good couple of results. Um, Chelsea had been hit and miss. Tottenham Arsenal, were poor. Say Arsenal had a couple of good results. I, I obviously watched them at, uh, at Newcastle, first game of the season. 
I know Arsenal were crap that day. But they got a, but they got away. That's, that's, they the game they, that's the game they've used. They had one chance and they got a, and, and they scored a goal. Now we, I think we struggled. Newcastle struggled because it was our first game of the season. There's been a lot of stuff going on off the pitch. I think if we'd played them at the back end of last season, we'd have you know steamrolled them potentially. And they beat Burnley at the Emirates. Now that you know that's a result, and they struggled to beat Burnley at the Emirates. That's a result that they should get. And the first time they've got any played anyone good. They've lost, so I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't fancy Arsenal now. I haven't seen them. I, thought well, I, mean, quite I, mean, I never thought they were going to. But the start of the season, you, but you do. You do look at it again, being very much about two teams. Yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. Um, very much about two teams. Uh, the rest are all mm-hmm. fighting for whatever scraps, and it is probably it is possibly open for some. You know, one of those top six regular top six finishes is going to finish eighth this season. Well, I think. I know we talked about it before. I think Leicester. I think Leicester. Need Leicester for me. Got the best chance of doing it. I think Wolves. You're already seeing. They've started with three draws. I can't see them being. They'd be comfortably safe, but I could see them. Europe, Europe's going to hurt. I could see them finishing twelfth or thirteenth this season. Um, Everton. You've had. You know. You've taken four points, but I think that result away at Burnham was a bit of a. Yeah, but I mean. Because it, it's coming at the same time as everyone else dropping points, you don't feel like it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna hurt them too much. Big team, on, you know, uh, big team back in the Premier League under the lights. It was always going to be an Everton defeat that one yeah. because because Everton's yeah. Everton. But yeah. you feel like Everton could go on a run against against yeah. other teams. The home form could because I just think everyone's taking points off each other. United yeah. losing home to Palace never happened before. It's no, I think this season's come at a really good time for Chelsea. Um, Again, we sort of discussed them when we did our Premier League preview and thought they might struggle potentially, but they've looked good. And I watched them against Man United and they got beat 4-0, but they were so much better than Man U in the first half. And again, they didn't take the chances, which is obviously how you win games. But they really impressed me against Liverpool in the UEFA Super Cup final. They should have beaten Leicester and they got a good result away at Norwich and he's playing young players and, and they'll comfortably finish top six this year, I think, Chelsea, which I think is... Lampard's target, I think if he finishes sixth, he'll keep his job. And I've been really impressed with the youngsters. I guess we could maybe segue into the England squad. Mason Mount being called up for the England squad alongside Aaron Wan-Bissaka and James Madison today as well. What's Tyrone Mings doing in the England squad? I was, I must have been, I was surprised. 28 him. million he cost. I know, I was Fucking surprised. hell. He's only played about 100 games he's, in his career, you know. So injury He's prone. bang average. Yeah. Kyle Walker left out. Yeah, I mean... Kieran Trippier back in. Yeah, it's all... Whatever. Not bothered? Can't get excited about qualifiers. No, no. Can't get excited about England games no. until tournaments get, get underway. Do you think it's looking a bit more promising for England, though? Like, with, like, like Lampard is playing more young English players. That's got to be good for the England team. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I think the problem for England is going to be... And you kind of saw, you've seen it with Spurs, you've seen it with England. It's an over reliance on Harry Kane. And Harry Kane is not the player that England should be building their team around. It's Raheem Sterling mm. who England should be building their team around. Um, Kane is the sort of player who you want on the end of a chance, but I don't know if he offers much more else to the team. Mm. And, and you found that with Spurs sort of shoehorning him into a Champions League side when he was clearly unfit. Yeah. I, I never understood what, it's gone all the way back to me for that. That Middlesbrough Cup final in 1997 against Chelsea. They started Fabrizio Ravanelli when he had a hamstring injury. Yeah. 
and he went off after 20 minutes. They were only ever going to get 20 minutes after him. You want him for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And why you start a play, like Kane, if he came on and, and he'd run around for half an hour with all his energy for the whole half an hour, you might get a goal out of him. But starting a player who's unfit, mm. it just doesn't work. You've got to bring them into no. the game. And, and so like the fact that it, you know, he, he could turn up with a broken leg and they'd still ask him if he could hop, mm. you know, it's, it, there is an over-reliance from the coaching staff on him. And he probably, as good a finisher as he is, is the least essential player to be in that England squad. Yeah, I think he's become. And you make a re- it's obviously a comparison that's made regularly because of the rate of goals he scores. But with Shearer, so obviously Shearer was at Newcastle for ten years, and we became very. You know, if Shearer was fit, he played. That was it. If he was fit, he played. And there was a lot of fans at the time that thought when he often didn't play, we were a more mobile unit. You know, we played better as a team because you had to find another way to win, basically. And I think you've seen that with Spurs last year. And actually, they pick up, there's very little in it, but they pick up more points on average. It's ridiculous. It's like 2.11 to 2.09 or something. But they certainly don't do any worse when he's not in the team than when he is in the team. And as a Newcastle fan watching the game on Sunday, I, I didn't worry about Harry Kane. You know, whereas Sterling's a threat all the time, all the time. Um, you know, Kane, give him a chance, nine times out of ten, it's a goal. But unless it's put on a plate for him, you can afford to... If, if Harry Kane's running at, at a centre-half, you know, picks up the ball 35 yards out and starts yeah. running at centre-half... You should back your centre-half. You back your centre because the thing that Kane will do would then hit one from distance perhaps mm. that he's got a good strike on him yeah, so he yeah. might fall, fall the keeper that way yeah. whereas Sterling you'd think I don't know what the fuck he's going to do well, and, and I don't want to have to deal with it one of my favourite players in the Premier League as you know is, is Son who plays for Tottenham and as a fullback or a defender he's just a nightmare to defend yeah. against and Spurs are great when he went up top last season I think you're right I think England have, I think England have become not over-reliant on him necessarily because I don't think he's delivered enough to to become over a line line, but he just seems to be one of those players that's just on this on the team sheet. Making him captain mm. is a huge is a huge error because it means you've got you've got a pick and and it's like you know, could anyone name a thing he did in the World Cup? The only thing anyone can name that he did in the World Cup other than score those goals mm. was not square it to Sterling. Mm. And as great a finisher as he is, and it, it got me. I mean, people used to say this about Tim. So, um, there was one bloke who used to sit behind me every time he complained about Tim Kaler. He would say, "All he fucking does is score." Yeah. I'm like, "Fine, yeah. great," <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you kind of feel like the game's moved on a bit now, and, and you look at hmm. you know busy little strikers like Aguero yeah, or yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I can't name a single other player now. But you just you just you you want your, your talisman up front can't just be. No. Your stick the ball on his forehead strike. You look at the other. You look at the other Premier League teams. You know, Man United's not a great example because they're not playing very well. But they've got rid of their equivalent of Kane. Liverpool don't even pick a striker. You know, Lukaku. Liverpool don't have an actual striker. They've got three, and I mean this in the nicest sense of the term, three busy little fuckers who interchange with each other, who all run all over the place, who all get in and. Defenders can't deal. It doesn't matter if you're the fastest defender in the world. Yeah. You cannot deal with someone running at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet Kane can and sometimes will do that. Mm. But he's not. I don't think any 
centre half internationally is looking at Harry Kane and thinking, I don't want to play against him. No. But they're looking at Raheem Sterling and saying, I don't fancy this. Yeah. Do you want to mark him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'd agree with that. I'd agree. So you don't care about much England really, but no, I mean, I, you know, I, I, wish, I wish him well. When you get, when you get I wish him well, but yeah. um, I'm not watching a qualify. It's like I've, I've never watched the Champions League group stage. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about that? Mm. It's, it's there was a um, and I, I briefly for the um, uh, for the free trial subscribed to the Athletic. Um, mm. And then like, well, I'm not giving you thirty quid to read stuff. Mm. Um, I get, you know, I get that from books. Um, but they did make a point in their newsletter editorial yesterday that the Champions League group stage has basically become like the NBA regular season. It's there, you've got to go through it, no one cares. Yeah. But then the playoffs start and people start getting interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's that, like, oh great, you know, Chelsea might play Shakhtar, I mean, the, the draw may have been done by that, but mm. oh, Chelsea are going to play Shakhtar Donetsk again. Mm. Um, City, haven't City been in the same group as. Um, someone like Dortmund for yeah. about five years in a row you know just no one cares yeah, yeah. it's so it's what used to be really exciting like I remember there was the year when Rangers got to semi-final Rangers played Marseille yeah. and Marseille seemed like the most exotic team mm. in the world at that point mm. but now we've seen them 15 yeah. times you know it's it's not as exciting anymore no. like when City played Barcelona for the first time in the Champions League knockout everyone was like what like yeah yeah we we beat Gillingham in a playoff final now, yeah, and yeah. now play, but they've played with three more times since then. It's just not exciting anymore. It's yeah. it's it's mundane. Yeah. That's why the UEFA Cup, the Europa League, is where it's at because <laughs> you don't know which fuckers you're going to get drawn against. True, true. I've ever since I've had three seasons in the Europa League and have never repeated an opponent. It's yeah. all been some some no marks that you're not even sure that country's in Europe. It's great stuff. Uh, Shall we finish, Tom, on a sad note? Okay. Theo Walcott. Poor Teddy Walcott. So, so I was watching your game last night in between flicking Gillette Soccer Special for updates of our game. And when Theo came on with eight minutes to go, you know, I mean, what, what has happened to him, Tom? What has happened to him? Um, he, was the, he was the great hope of English football, wasn't he? I still don't, like... I, you go back, when he got dropped from the... Was it the 2010 World Cup he got dropped from? Mm. And Chris Waddle went on to just said he's got no football brain. Yeah. And that's kind of, but I still think, I don't understand why everyone has been so hesitant to play him through the middle. Because he's got pace. Yeah. He can't cross a ball. He has no idea what to do. Yeah. But he's actually quite a decent finisher yeah. with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, stick it. I know he's not the tradition, but in the, in the way, and he's not in this guy's, this guy's level, but you look at, like, Firmino plays through the middle for Liverpool. He's fast. He's skillful. He's pacey. I mean, two of those mean the same thing. Walcott's <laughs> got those two. He's not necessarily got the skill, but Walcott, you know, again, no one likes someone running at you. Look yeah, at the way yeah. Sterling's game's changed. Yeah. Sterling isn't stuck out. And Everton have had an over-reliance on crossing the ball. You saw that against Villa. A million crosses that went nowhere. And worryingly, I know it was only against Lincoln, but they scored a couple of goals from crosses, so that might make Marco Silva think, yeah, let's just yeah. keep lumping it back. Yeah. And, but I just think they never went through the middle once. Yeah. And pace in the middle... Mm frightens people because mm. fullbacks are fast yeah, they can yeah. do it centre halves yeah. are yeah. usually the slowest shittest ones yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. you know we might see that from Josh tonight <laughs> um, but they're, they're the ones who don't want who don't want you running at them so I always think there's you know Everton's got no strikers really so stick Walcott to the middle what's the worst that can happen but he's not 
he's not a wing, the, the wing game has moved on and he never had it in the first place yeah, yeah. stick it to the middle yeah, he always seems to get success. little he always seems to get little runs of it at Arsenal yeah, doing well yeah. and then they'd shove him out wide or again he'd get injured or something yeah I just thought it was a, I just thought it was a real shame last night I, I'd really even forgotten about it and then I saw God you know he can't even get a start Linking away, get eight minutes. Linking away, will he get minutes this year, Walcott? He'll be an impact player off the bench. Yeah. I mean, people said um, basically signed a Wobi, which is like Walcott two point um, You know, a, a winger who. But I think Wobi has a little bit more end product at the moment, possibly where where Walcott was when he was at mm. sort of sort of peak of his powers. Too early to tell. I, I genuinely haven't watched enough of Arsenal in the last mm. couple of years to know if he's a good signing or not. Um, but yeah, he's getting old. I think he's the sort of player. If he went to a you know a team that would usually finish tenth to fifteenth, mm. I think he'd be excellent. I'd have him at Newcastle. Um, but I just don't think he's you know the, the 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 days of the winger you know waiting for the fullback to overlap him so he can just cross it in. It's just people people sort of got wise to that. You don't get to the byline and stick a cross in anymore. You've no. got to play a bit smarter. Yeah. You've got to pick your moments when to cross. And yeah. I think. He's one of those wingers who could never really cross the ball anyway. Mm. Get him through the middle. Yeah. Get him through the middle and let him terrorise people. There you go. Or, or send, him, send him to DC to replace, uh, <laughs> to replace Shagger. Don't sue us why you're just a end, joke. Yeah, should we end on that note? We'll end on that note, yeah. So, um, Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, if, if everyone can be asked to turn up to football, you'll get much more of these over the, over the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, you can find us in all the usual places. You know that, though, because you're listening to us. Please subscribe, leave us a review. We haven't had one for some time. <laughs> We'll give a prize to the next person who leaves a review. Um, it will be of some value, but I'm not saying what. Uh, so thank you for listening. So for me, Tom O'Brien. And for me, Aaron Gales. Bye.